Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Don't let winter's chill keep you indoors. Ocean State Bird Club is hosting lots of free winter walks to see magnificent harlequin ducks, razor bills, and maybe even a snowy owl. Visit our website at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org for more information and follow us on Facebook. If you become a member, you'll also get our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 713. Well, two words we've been hearing almost as much as Super Bowl last couple of weeks are polar vortex. Clobbering much of the country, especially in the upper Midwest. It's tough on people, that's for sure. But how about birds as the temperature in Chicago, for example, dropped to a low of around minus 23 on Wednesday, just above the city's lowest ever reading of 27 below. Minneapolis had 27 below. Our friend Al Bat told us on air last week that the temperature in Heartland, Minnesota, in the southern part of the state, was heading for minus 29. Some birds can handle these kinds of temperatures pretty easily. Snowy owls, for example, can reportedly withstand temperatures as low as minus 40. And birds in general are built to survive freezing temperatures for longer periods of time. Unlike humans, they have countercurrent blood circulation in their legs, which allows heat to be transferred from warm arteries to cool veins and keep their legs from freezing, and they can keep their body temperature up by fluffing their feathers, thickening the insulation around their bodies. Keeping warm uses much more energy than normal, though, so birds need to eat more to stay alive, so keep those feeders full, folks. Winter isn't over yet. And as Mike O'Connor would certainly remind us, don't forget to clean those feeders regularly rather than just topping them off. And uh, Mike will have more to say about cold weather birds, uh, too, coming up. The good news, of course, is that temperatures have gone up again in most places. In fact, Chicago this week, we heard one report that there was an upward temperature swing of 98 degrees. Meanwhile, there's some not-so-good news from up in Maine about this bird that we talked about last week. The Great Black Hawk, which made the first appearance ever recorded for the species in the U.S. last spring at South Padre Island, Texas, and then shocked the birding world by showing up in several places in Maine. As we reported last week, that Maine weather took a toll on the bird, and it suffered frostbite on one of its feet. We've now learned that despite the best efforts of rehabilitators, the bird couldn't be successfully treated, and it was euthanized this week. The Avian Haven Wild Bird Rehab Center in Freedom, Maine, said they got lots of support from bird lovers in their efforts, including many monetary contributions, which they say will now go toward funding a special project that will enhance their ability to care for birds in the future whether or not they are frostbite victims. That tiny little sound and that little bark scratching or bark cracking 
is the sound of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little later in the show. We wanted to get you ready for it. Our mystery bird is a small, well-camouflaged woodland bird that feeds on invertebrates in the bark of trees, using its stiff tail for support as it climbs up tree trunks and branches. Our bird is identified by its small size, brown streaked upper parts and white underparts, a white line over its eye, and a long downward curving and pointed bill. It's our mystery bird. We have a beautiful bank of prizes this morning, including the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Everybody loves this feeder. It attaches right to your kitchen window or any other window that you'd like with strong suction cups so you can see the birds up close and personal with nothing between you and the birds except uh, the window. Plus, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. The app that makes learning bird sounds a game. And another bonus prize today, a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. All coming up on our show today on our Mystery Bird Contest. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. For the second time in a couple of weeks, we've received photos from folks who've seen odd-looking black-capped chickadees at their feeders. Birds with blotchy pigment in their feathers, with white areas where black pigment should be. It's a condition called leucism, and you can see an example provided by our friend Elaine up in Warren, New Hampshire, on our Facebook page right now. And off the coast of Wales, scientists are using kind of a Fitbit for birds to monitor surface currents. We'll connect you to the fascinating story from Hakai magazine. Those are just a couple of the things we have right now on our Talking Birds Facebook page. We also have, and we're especially happy about this, some more new Talking Birds ambassadors. Folks who agree to send some cards out or give some cards out to their friends and neighbors and associates. We send them the cards. So thank you so much to Tabitha L. from Eagle River, Alaska. She says, just discovered you, and I look forward to the next episode. I would love to hand out cards to our Audubon Members, thank you so much, Tabitha. And thanks to Brooks Bornhoft from Cape Elizabeth, Maine. He says, uh, thought you might like to read my bi-weekly reading report in the local paper, the Cape Courier, and happy to be a Talking Birds ambassador. Thank you so much, Brooks. And by the way, we'll put a link to uh, that newspaper, and you can find Brooks' excellent bird column there. We'll put that on our Facebook page. To become an ambassador, just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the one and only Nick Lund, the National Audubon blogger known far and wide as the Birdist. He'll school us on identifying our local members of the robust and rowdy Wren family. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment, more about birds and cold weather. And up next, a once-abundant bird that Mike and yours truly happily heard singing on a walk this past summer on Cape Cod is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend, the northern bobwhite, is a small member of the quail family with a rounded body, small head, rounded wings, and short tail, and intricately patterned in brown, 
rust, buff, and black. Males have a bold black and white head pattern, while females have a buffy throat and eyebrow. And the bird's elegantly dappled plumage offers excellent camouflage as they move about in small groups and run from the safety of one shrubby patch to another. When flushed, bobwhites famously explode into flight before ducking back into the nearest cover. Thanks to researchers, including Daniel Harrington and Matt Carroll, we've learned a lot of interesting things about northern bobwhites in the last few years, like the fact that in the western part of their range, they're very dependent on rain. So dry years produce almost no young, while wet years can help boost populations significantly. We've also learned that a group of eggs in a single nest can contain the genes of as many as four different males. That males often sit on nests, and that a female will sometimes create two nests, with the male sitting on one and the female on the other. Bob White's nests are usually a grass-lined scrape on the ground, but in Texas and Oklahoma, they sometimes nest in plants, like prickly pear cactus, apparently to keep their nests safe from predators. The northern bobwhite is said to be the most researched game bird and one of the most researched birds of any species in the world. That's got to be a good thing, since bobwhites have been in sharp decline throughout the past half century, likely due to habitat degradation and loss through urbanization, fire suppression, and changes in agriculture and forestry. Agricultural fields, for example, have become less suitable for bobwhites with higher levels of pesticides and herbicides, yielding less insect and plant food, and fewer hedgerows for shelter. The northern bobwhite is the official bird of Tennessee, Georgia, and Washington, and a group of them is collectively known as a bevy, or a covey, or a name-dropping of bobwhites. That namesayer call, by the way, is produced by both males and females, although most commonly by unmated males during breeding season. Colinus virginianus, the northern bobwhite. Today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 713. If you're hearing us maybe for the first time or one of the first few, hope you'll visit our website to find out more about our show. That's TalkinBirds.com. And please do follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Nick Lund is the birdist and the creator of the Birdist's Rules of Birding at Audubon.org. And he joins us on the phone right now from the great state of Maine. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ray Brown. How you doing? Doing well. Sad story there about uh, the great Black Hawk. Caused quite a bit of excitement there for a while. Sad story indeed. You know, it gave a lot of people joy uh, and was a really fun thing for a long time. And so I, I will think back to the happier moments. Uh, mm. And, uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, people here, Avian Haven and the other uh, main fish and wildlife, our GIF and W, did a great job. Um, trying to yeah, rescue the bird and keep it alive, but um, you know they're not meant for the cold up here, and so that's what happens. Yes, indeed. Well, Avian Haven in one of in their as part of their statement said today will be a day of grieving, but also of imagining this extraordinary great black hawk flying free again in some realm 
other than our own. Poetic. A beautiful send-off. Rehabbers and poets over there. It's a great group. (laughs) Well, your Birdist rule number 96, uh, Nick, is know which wrens live near you. You point out that wrens aren't our flashiest birds, but that they more than make up for that with their big personalities. (laughs) Certainly true. And you start off by telling us how to look for wrens. How do we do that? Yeah. Well, um, wrens are, you know, so they're not our flashiest birds, right? I think warblers and things get all the love. Um, I think wrens are a little bit overlooked, partly because they're not so colorful. Um, But, you know, even the most boring wren, I think, has more uh, excitement and chutzpah and charm and personality than than most any warbler. So they're Mm -hmm. worth looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, But you got to know what you got to how to find them. So, uh, first of all, listen. Uh, wrens are really loud. Um, I, I don't. This isn't scientific, but I would say that they have the loudest voice for their tiny little bodies of any bird. I don't know if that's true, but it certainly seems that way. I've read that um, they do too. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I so I meant one, uh, this is scientific. That's what I meant. I think it might have been the Carolina that I read that about. I'll have to double check on that, though. I believe it. Yeah. I feel like you can hear Carolinas for ten miles away, even though they're <laughs> the size of a quarter. Um, the second thing is you got to look down. Um, you know, wrens are generally uh, insect-eating birds, ground-dwelling. They see them bouncing around uh, the understory on the on the forest floor itself, and so don't look up in the trees for them. Uh, and thirdly, you know, like I said, look carefully. They're not brightly colored. Uh, most of the ten wren species in the country are just shades of, of brown and white, um, sometimes all brown. Um, and so you got to be careful. They're uh, they're they're camouflage. So ten wren species. The first one you describe is the widespread house wren, a plain bird, I guess even by wren standards, and I can vouch for its fierceness, Nick, having been strafed by one in the uh, Talking Birds garden, uh, right behind the radio station (laughs) here, when I made the mistake of playing their song from my iPhone. So I I had to jump back in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a characteristic common to most wrens. I mean, they will fiercely defend uh, their territories uh, from, you know, from anyone no matter how big and, and dangerous they look. Mm-hmm. Um, house wrens are probably the drabbest of the wrens, I would say, but um, they are, you know, they're called house wrens for a reason. They live, um, they nest very close to human structures and nearby, and so they're one of our most familiar wrens um, in, the, in the breeding season. That's in the everywhere but Alaska and Hawaii category that you have here, which also includes the marsh wren, which is a pretty cool bird to see. Yeah, the marsh wren is awesome. Uh, my favorite thing about the marsh wren is that, you know, so they, they you find them among the reeds and, uh, you know, cattails in marshes, and you'll often see them doing these very acrobatic uh, poses where, you know, one foot will be on one reed, another foot will be on another reed. They're sort of swinging back and forth with their legs spread. Um, they're uh, a really enjoyable bird to find. How about some wrens from out west? We have, the what, the rock, the canyon, the cactus, the Buicks, the Pacific? yeah. These are very cool birds. You know, it's a it's a um, you know a good suite of birds. The canyon wren and the cactus wren, I would say, have some of the most iconic Western calls uh, of any bird. I think when you hear their calls, you really uh, it reminds you of a Western movie you've seen, or it really puts you in the characteristic of the West. Here, here's, um, the, here's the canyon wren right here. Yeah, let's get that going. Very cool sound. <laughs> A descending kind of uh, call there. Yeah, it's sort of this eerie uh, call that I've heard that in Western canyons, and you, um, you know, you really know where you are exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the other bird's cool. Pacific, I think, is 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 sort of the opposite. You know, it's a western bird, but really sort of a deep forest bird. I sort of associate it with you know bopping around the wet forest of uh, like Olympic National Park or something like that. Um, this is a bird very similar to our uh, winter wren out east, and it was just recently split into two species uh, a couple of years ago. And then we have central U.S. and southeast wrens, including the sedge and that loud Carolina wren. Yeah, the sedge wren is a beautiful bird, tough to find, also dwells among grasses, so you got to find some good grassland habitat. The Carolina, on the other hand, is much more widespread and is really found everywhere. You know, I just moved away from Washington, D.C., and, uh, you know, it feels like you couldn't walk down the street without get, getting bombarded by Carolina wren song. <laughs> Here's one right um, here. Yep. Little tea kettle thing going there. <laughs> They've got all kinds. So yeah, the mononic dare is, is tea kettle, tea kettle, or cheeseburger, cheeseburger. <laughs> I've heard those are some easy ones to remember, and those are really fun birds. They're beautiful and they're colorful, and they they are fierce, uh, like your house friends. And yeah. we'll come right out for you. And we described it as uh, southeast, but they're certainly up here in the northeast uh, these days. Yeah, they're moving up, and I know in Maine they're sort of working their way up. They're more common than they were, you know, just a decade ago or so. So. Um, We'll probably see some more of them in the future. And one more found, I guess, only in the east, the winter wren. Yeah, our winter wren. This is a tiny, the tiniest little guy, similar to the Pacific wren. Um, tiny and brown, bebopping along um, the ground and in and among logs. Uh, you know, their call, their call, which I don't think they have, is is incredible. It's super fast. It's like a, it's like a mouse playing the violin on speed or something, just going crazy. Boy, how uh, often really do you hear that? One to hear. <laughs> you know, I you know we, I have a mouse orchestra down here, right? a drug addicted mouse orchestra. So mm-hmm. I hear it a lot, but uh, maybe others don't know it. That's Nick Lund, the birdist. Look for his complete birdist rule number ninety six and many more of his birdists rules of birding at audubon dot org. That's audubon dot org. Uh, and Nick, now that you're back in Maine on the staff of Maine Audubon, there, uh, maybe right. give us a quick preview of the L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival coming up in May. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no better place to be birding than Maine in late May. And so, uh, once again, Maine Audubon and L.L. Bean are teaming up for a birding festival uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Um, We're going to have trips to all kinds of awesome warbler spots. We're working on a puffin trip, if we can get it going, um, which will be one of the first ever to leave from Portland. Um, we got great speakers coming up, and including Rosemary Mosco, the famous cartoonist. Um, it's going to be a blast, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Ray Brown up here again. We'll plan to get up there, too, and do our show from right there at the, uh, at the uh, Discovery Center, right there in Freeport. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, finally, Nick, especially since you're back in New England, maybe we assume you'll be rooting for the uh, Patriots uh, in that game down in Atlanta tonight. I've been rooting for the Patriots my whole life, and uh, <laughs> just another Super Bowl for us. All right. I'd like to say I'd like yeah. to just say quickly for my son. He's ten months old. He saw the, the Washington Capitals win the NH the Stanley Cup, and then the Red Sox win when he was up here in Maine. And now it's the Patriots again. So I will be renting my son out for cha- for people who want to win a championship. All right, um, just uh, find my email. Good luck, charm. Thank you, Nick, and go Pats. Thank you, Ray. Go Pats. Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo.
That's Nasera Safari's founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera Safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and guerrilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasarasafaris.com, N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. In case you can hear that, it's our mystery bird. This is our mystery bird contest. Some clues. Our mystery bird is a small, well-camouflaged woodland bird that feeds on invertebrates in the bark of trees, using its stiff tail for support as it climbs up tree trunks and branches. It's identified by its small size, brown-streaked upper parts and white underparts, a white line over its eye, and a long, downward-curving and pointed bill. We have a beautiful raft of prizes, including the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder, a download or online access to the LarkWire app, and a bag of delicious bird-friendly shade-grown birds and beans coffee. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you can. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Dawn Greenway, and I'm calling from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because by being an ambassador, I feel like I'm contributing to promoting awareness and conservation. I would encourage anyone to become a Talking Birds ambassador because it'll give you an opportunity to introduce others to this entertaining and informative show about birds. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Well, it's warming up a little bit, but it's still kind of cold. It is early February, so we're back on the topic of birds in the cold weather, especially now in the backyard, as we connect here with Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store uh, on Cape Cod in Orleans. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning to you, Ray. It is warming up a little bit. We're seeing a little bit more uh, open water out front here, so it's a, the duck's a little bit happier. Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, well, we've had a, quite a deep freeze, and birds have uh, had a tough time getting through this. Oh, my God, especially when we just mentioned the ducks. I went down to the... Uh the Orleans Yacht Club the other day, which sounds like a wonderful place. It's basically an old weathered building with a boat ramp. That's the idea of a yacht club. But the but the ducks had come in. Um, apparently, I don't know if somebody had tossed some corn out or what, but they, they were running out of uh, open water, and, and they were actually on the land, uh, the black ducks, mostly black ducks and mallards. Was, and they, they would go up on the land when it was, like, in the teens, and they would tuck their feet in. So instead of stand, standing on the grass and, and eating the grass, they would just clamp down and kind of push their bodies along because they didn't want to expose their feet because it was so cold. So the whole time they kept their, their legs tucked underneath them. And then when they took a break, they immediately would turn their heads and tuck their beaks in their feathers because they, like you said, they had that counter current with the, keeping their feet warm, but yeah. their beaks lose a lot of heat. So they mm. would immediately tuck their heads in their feathers 
Now, a lot of birds struggle in this cold. Um, and and I, we talked about this last week that a lot of some birds go in nesting cavities to keep warm, but most of them don't, and which is amazing. They just don't feel comfortable in there, so they go against the sides of trees and huddle up against the sides of trees and they go, they use the tree to block the wind and sometimes they'll huddle up two or three at a time to keep warm. I know uh, people found kinglets all kind of huddled together to stay out of the wind and and to help conserve energy a lot of them will drop their body temperatures it's usually it's like around like 104-ish and they drop it a number of degrees to stay warm and they also shiver which, like we do, mm-hmm. to produce heat, but they don't shiver as kind of, kind of dramatically as we do. But they do have a bit of shivering to keep themselves warm, and they huddle down and they fluff their feathers out. We were looking at at chickadees coming to our feet. They're like, like little balls, just <laughs> puffed super out. And you guys were talking about wrens. You were talking to Nick a little while ago. Wrens. I went out to put my feeders out this morning, and there was a Carolina wren. Wow. They they make it through this cold, and then, like we just talked about, it's a southern bird. But David, probably with feeders and some of our plantings and some of our wood piles, they're able to they're able to survive the cold. Um, I was reading about one um, grouse, and I don't, I'm surprised more birds don't do this, but they grouse will make a little snow cave and fly in. I think time again do the same thing to keep themselves warm. Mm-hmm. They go inside. Oh. <laughs> Extra loud music now. All right. Happy Super Sunday. We'll talk to you next week. Do you sell duck beak warmers? (laughs) We're going to work on that. Talk to you next week. All right, Mike. Stay warm. Talk to you then. And and go Pats. And we'll be back to the Mystery Bird Contest right after this. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. It's the Mystery Bird Contest, and you're eligible to win as long as you haven't been a winner here in the last six months on our Mystery Bird Contest. Here's the sound of our bird, a small, well-camouflaged woodland bird that feeds on invertebrates in the bark of trees. You can hear some bark action going on there uses its stiff tail for support as it climbs up tree trunks and branches. What is that mystery bird? 781-837-4900 is the number to call if you want to take a guess at that or tell us kind of definitively what that bird is. And uh, I think we have callers here from Tennessee and Illinois, and we're starting off uh, with Annette, who is in, it looks like, Richford, Vermont. Good morning, Annette. Good morning. Do I have that right? Richford, Vermont. Yes. Okay, which is where I don't. I'm not familiar. It with is Richard. right up on the border with Canada, and we are near a J Peak Ski Resort. If you know, have yes. heard of that, yes, but indeed. we are right on the border. Definitely heard of J Peak, and you're way up there near Canada, but it's still very warm up there this winter, right? Oh well, it's <laughs> sunny, but it's not that warm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the polar vortex didn't get us here in the east quite as much as it did our friends in the Midwest, but. Uh, We've still been uh, feeling it, but warming up quite a bit now. So, Annette, on our mystery bird, uh, you heard the uh, sound mm-hmm. and the clues. What would be your uh, answer to what that bird might be? I believe it's a brown creeper. Let me check. Yes. Apparently, that it, it is a brown creeper. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, great. yes. The Thank you. Creeper. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. 
All right, the audience is everything is very loud today. Our music for Mike was very loud. Our brown everything's loud, but that's okay. Um, so, Annette, thank you so much. If you'll stay on the line, we will arrange to get those beautiful prizes uh, out to you. Or up awesome. To thank you so much. I really enjoy listening to your show. Thank you very much, Annette. Are you a Patriots fan, by the way? Uh, well, my husband is a football <laughs> fan, and I will be um, probably making the food. <laughs> so. All right. We've got your work cut out for you, probably. Thank you, Annette. Yeah, you're very welcome. Enjoy the, the show tonight and um, the birds out there uh, where you are. All right. Thank you, Annette. All right, we're about out of time for our show this morning. That's how that happens. It goes by pretty quickly, and we thank you so much for being with us. And thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown, and we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Don't let winter's chill keep you indoors. Ocean State Bird Club is hosting lots of free winter walks to see magnificent harlequin ducks, razor bills, and maybe even a snowy owl. Visit our website at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org for more information and follow us on Facebook. If you become a member, you'll also get our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. Thank <laughs> you.